you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. The Around the NFL Podcast has its swagger back. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some familiar heroes. Mark Sessler, Christoph Wesling, and the great Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Why did you uh, make my name French? I don't know. It just felt right. I like that. That sticks. Christoph. Maybe German. No, that's that's definitely French. Christoph. Uh, Chris Wessling, welcome back from Chicago after a uh, a long uh, week about, and uh, we of course had you on on the phone on Saturday night after the end of the 2015 NFL draft. But it's not the same. Get West back in the studio. Welcome home. It's great to be back. That's all. all right, that's today's podcast. So we will be back. <laughs> uh, yeah, how is the flight back? Any any stories you want to share with us right now? How you doing, buddy? The flight back was pretty uneventful. Um, that's all I got. I mean, I, one that's thing a, that's I a noticed... good change of pace for for you with the NFL <laughs> media. <laughs> uneventful travel, good. I, Wesling came in like a house on fire while Connor Orr was here last week, sitting in Wes's chair, occupying uh, Chris's workspace. Wesling <laughs> found all these things about what Connor had done that he didn't like. I always Ooh. keep a napkin supply of at least twenty or thirty napkins. In case, you know, because we eat lunch at our desks and it was down to like two napkins. It wasn't replenished. And I thought that was a little bad, <laughs> bad house guest, uh, a little like that from Connor. Mm-hmm. There was an extra remote at my desk. There was a lot of papers around. Oh, yeah. What a jerk. He left you extra remote controls. Well, you I only wish need ex- one. I wish extra ones showed up wherever I went. That'd be fun life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Connor took great care of my personal space. Wait, you said it'd be a fun life with extra remote control. Yeah, just like everywhere you go. Totally just... redundant technology. <laughs> That's what I want. Greg, your beard is thickening. 
Yeah, I'll have to shave it. We have an NFL Now segment tomorrow. We have we've been a little lighter on the now, so you know the, the only reason I shave is for NFL Now. It's been about a week. What about these high octane meetings that you have to attend? They don't care if you shave or not. No one said anything. Mm. At least not to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need a, ch- a young cherub boy with a straight uh, edge razor and powder going across well, your skin. Well, they scalp, do that. Yeah, that, skin. they do that in the makeup room. You That's next. That's the next thing we come in. It's where he'll be in one of those chairs that are tilted back. There'll be like three cherub boys. <laughs> He's always wandering up and down the hallway with like trumpeteers, small seven and eight year old trumpeteers announcing his arrival and departure. A fife. Not, not cheap, by the way. So, Greg, that's Greg on the throne of ease, as always, looking a little scruffy, a little sexy, let's be honest. (laughs) Uh, Big show, big show today uh, as we now, you know, we we were talking, Greg, yesterday about how those two post-draft shows, we we hit a lot of stuff, but it would be good to basically hit every team now this week and talk about where these teams are at. So that's what we're going to do over the next two shows. Every team in the NFL uh, we're going to hit, uh, starting with the AFC in, in, in a segment we call Around the AFC in 48 Minutes. Woo! Which, oh my God, that sounds exciting. Uh, TD, we're going to need some type of excitement music around that, maybe some blockbuster uh, celebration for what seems to be a major event on the podcast. Uh, we're going to go through each of the 16 teams in the AFC exactly three minutes each. Uh, and TD, when... When the three minutes are up, how will we know to move on? Do you have anything for us there? I got something for you guys. I got a little something. We can do a couple options. We can okay. go with this. Mm, boring. More standard. Or we can go with this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that takes me back to uh, the Jersey Shore and the clubs. Like, <laughs> don't know about that. Go but. home. <laughs> they had like the um, – they used to have like the, the foghorn. They'd be like, everybody like – and then they're like – and everybody go ah. – it was a weird time. We're all we're right there with I you. I can Tim. think of nowhere I would rather be than that. Yeah, well, I understand that. <laughs> I don't even. The opposite know. of what you said is what you meant. Yes. Um. So anyway, we're yeah we're gonna hit up all the AFC teams on today's show. On Thursday's show, we'll hit all the NFC teams. Do three minutes on each mm. team, and then keep moving. And uh, like a freight train, each of us will uh, throw out four. Uh, each of us will throw out for each of the teams we're assigned to. Uh, something, a takeaway of sorts, or a question, or a criticism, or a compliment um, from the uh, from these for these teams after the draft process and after free agency is done and all that good stuff. So we're going to be doing that today. Uh, we're also going to, uh, uh, I guess, do a little bit of news. Not a lot of news to get to, but there is some big news also in the studio. I already touched base with them behind the glass, but TD has returned, and uh, you know it is. Listen, we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna lie about this it could be a little strange after the gold standard was <laughs> is this rock set yes we were you know gold standard holds a special place in our heart we we loved him it. it must have been love but it is as rock set said in, in 90 on the pretty woman soundtrack it's over now td's back what's going on guys <laughs> how are you doing get that music you out. handled that well you're a pretty woman too td <laughs> No, no, it's all good. I mean, first of all, glad to be back. Fun times in the, in Chicago for the draft. I just create, creating small talk with Chris Wesley now. I was like, hey, Chris, go and see Avengers tonight. Uh, you want to come with? And he's like, no, I got to go clean out my sock drawer. In the hotel. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, wow. come on. How was it, by the way? 
That was fun. It was good times. I uh, did some stuff. No, the there. movie. I'm, oh. I'm throwing you a bone here. Oh, the movie was, yeah, it wasn't the first one. Yeah. It wasn't as fun. First as one the first was, one. like, for all the, the needling that I take part in with the rest of the group here, the first one was a legitimately fun action movie. It was, yeah. It. So it wasn't as fun as that, and it wasn't as well-crafted a movie as Winter Soldier, but, you know, we get into that some other time. All right, Back in good. the pot. Area sequel com- goes off a cliff. Yeah, they, surprising. The other the <laughs> other time will be the Dave Damashek podcast. That's the other time. Um, so yeah, the gold standard. He did a great job filling in for you last week, but awesome job. We move forward. We have yeah. to move forward, and we we hold him close to our hearts. But at the same time, this is your ship, buddy. Yeah, You're man. Behind the glass, that's your world. Story. And uh, the today's money tag open, which Greg once again did not like, was just stating that <laughs> fact. You know, the show has a swagger back. Oh, you wow. Know? <laughs> I, like, I like it more now that it was just See, you know, the funny thing is, up. Wes thought that was about him, but well, you're it's saying about, it's about it's you. About, it's sort of like about both of us. It's kind of like how, um, let's put it this way. Ghostan is a great guy. He's more Enya, and, like, you know, mm. the show was like, me and Wes are more like... You know? <laughs> so a downgrade. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. That's a good way to look at it. I mean, I guess. yeah, for sure. So welcome back, TD. All right. So here we go. Let's, uh, let's start and we'll do, uh, let's do some news. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> wow. That threw me for a loop. That's my old there, the gold standard. In all seriousness, man, one of the greatest guys I've ever met, man. So he's in Japan right now doing God knows what. But, you know, <laughs> good luck to <laughs> him. Man. Gozira. That's I my would, guy. I would send a message to him, but we know he'll never listen to a show <laughs> no, about over. American football. <laughs> it's over. We are, uh, we're cutting ties. It was a great run, though. All right. Uh, we're only going to do one bit of news because it doesn't really fit in with the rest of of, of, of today's show, but it's something we need to hit on. It's uh, this Lyle Collins uh, situation, the offensive lineman uh, who uh, from LSU who was supposed to go in the first round in the draft. However, uh, ex-girlfriend uh, who was murdered and then her unborn child actually who initially did not die in, in the uh, attack ended up dying afterwards. So there's two, uh, two deaths involved, and, and Collins was uh, not a – not seen as a suspect, but was the police wanted to talk to him. He's connected to the investigation, led to him not being drafted at all, as we know. So now, uh, now is the next part. So he's not drafted. Where does he end up? This is a, a stud offensive lineman, and uh, this is where we're at right now. First of all, still not a suspect, right, Greg? Not a suspect, and he met with police on Monday. Met with police, and now there are teams sniffing around. We'll start with Rex Ryan and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Rex has a impromptu dinner uh, with Collins on Monday night, uh, which was, according to Rap Sheet, not something that was sanct- – he said it was unsanctioned. It was, I, don't, I don't know exactly what that meant. I edited that out of the copy because what did that mean, unsanctioned? It's, there's something illicit about unsanctioned, you know what I mean? Right, that He said unsanctioned. I was like, well, is there a uh, commission that sanctions meetings between undrafted free agents and coaches? I, I don't, don't know. know. I guess what it was was the agent literally didn't know about it that rex just uh, somehow set it up with the oh, player Rexy. himself Shocking I think that, that was rex it. would do that and uh and then uh rap sheet reported that collins is meeting with several dolphins players and former lsu teammates today per a source informed of the meeting the cowboys and dolphins are among the teams that are interested in collins but first things first he's got to be completely clear to this situation so it's obviously a unique unique situation and uh, we have no idea which way it's going to go but it's not going to be a bidding war because these, it's locked into a certain level of pay for an undrafted free agent, correct? That's right, but you can get around it in small ways. You could guarantee his full contract. I think teams will just offer to do that. 
and you can make it a three-year, con- a four-year contract that voids after three uh, if you play a certain amount, and so that he can get to free agency a little sooner. So that's a small plus. But otherwise, no, you can only give him what twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars maybe as an undrafted free agent for a signing bonus and minimum salaries. Otherwise, it's a well watching it unfold. Just you know, day by day of the draft, it was obviously kind of unprecedented. Whether if he's completely innocent, there's going to be a lot of people going crazy that he lost money and the league didn't handle it well or the police didn't handle it well, X, Y, and Z. Well, because this is a potential first-round guy. But there's also, it shows tells you a lot about certain NFL teams because there's the group that will never go near this player because of what might say about them and what they're okay with or not okay with. And then there's teams that are like, we're diving right in. Help me understand the logic here. It's not okay to spend a seventh-round draft pick on him, but it is okay to go out recruiting him? Well, well, it's either way you're associated with the player. But why not just take a chance on him in seventh round? That. It's I, a lot different than having him on the roster, just meeting with him is in, it? in case he's cleared. I think it is. It's I don't it's, think it's it an is. employee of the company. But Ollie in terms, either of, way, you don't know if you, there's there's no reason to feel guilty about it because you have he's he hasn't been cleared yet, but he's not a suspect. Right. So I why not West, take a chance? Right. Yeah, it's like your why, perception wise, you're you've still muddied the waters because you, you want him on your team, and he explicitly told teams, "Don't draft me on the third day of the draft, or I'm not going to sign." And in if they respected that enough, it, I guess that's why people didn't take him. In the because that's round. happened in the past that a team has drafted a player, uh, and he chose not to sign, and then he he went into what the supplemental draft? Is that how? It, how it happens in the past decade has that happened it's a little confusing because they tried to apply for this supplemental draft and that wasn't going to happen um i guess what he could have done is played in the cfl or something like that and then signed what with the mess. nfl i would have called his bluff i i know i, I thought I a team might have called his bluff but the fact that he hadn't met with police at that point people were scared i think aaron hernandez situation is hanging over all of this but if you put all that aside, and we're not, you know, talking about innocent or it is a fascinating situation. It's like a college recruiting game that you get a free first round pick out of it, and so of course teams, some teams at least, are gonna start trying to recruit in any way possible. Because imagine what teams do to, imagine what teams give up for a first round pick. How much goes into a a, a trade where you get a first round pick, and then here's just one sitting there for free. So it like, doesn't surprise me that teams are going a little crazy trying to go get him. Like Adrian Peterson, that's the value. <laughs> right, it's it's crazy. <laughs> well, and you don't have to give up anything for it. So I'm sure, I don't know about why Rex was in Louisiana or whatever, but he's probably like, I can get a first-round pick. I'm going down there. I mean, it's crazy. Rex going for it. <laughs> that's such classic Rex move, by the way. Um, all right, so, yeah, that's that's what's happening. That's the, the biggest news thing to keep an eye on post-draft is where this Collins ends up, if he ends up anywhere, um, and that's what's happening. Now, let's talk about around the AFC in 48 minutes because it's very important uh, that that we have the rules straight because we're trying to do this in 48 minutes because Ooh. there's no sense calling it around the AFC in 48 minutes if we can't pull it off, or at least 48 in 53 seconds. We've got to be in the 48 zone or we fail. We're going to be tracking this very closely. So the way to do it, Greg and Wes and, and Mark, because we all love to talk, big old yappers in this room, we've got to shut up. got to shut up when that buzzer, the sound, let's hear it again. When that hits, if you're in the middle of a point, all right, get out. You have, you have three to five seconds to finish what you're saying. Don't dare continue the conversation because we're moving on to the next team. That seems fair, right? It's only fair. Society needs rules and structure. 
and less talking. <laughs> Thank you for pardon the interruptioning our podcast. <laughs> is that what this is? It's basically kind of, oh, is this a just a rip off of part of the interruption. I didn't realize until or right it's now. It's kind of like around the NFL horn too. You, yeah, you it's a like horn. Jim. There's a horn too. That's yeah, true. except we're not all wildly unlikable. It's Give like me a break. Jim Cohen created this today's <laughs> version Shots of the fired. <laughs> Actually, around the, around the horn's probably not as bad as it used to be, but when it was starting oh, out, it was one of the worst things ever. Yeah. I'm going to tell Bob Ryan about this. Bob Ryan's great. Bob Ryan's awesome. T- you know, the, you know, but not everyone. <laughs> they have the Woody Pages, Jay Mariotti. You know, yeah, that's that's enough stink. That's Greg Rosenthal of Santa Monica, California. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Mariotti, I can get. If Mariotti comes to find you, just call me. I'll help you out. Okay, Thanks, <laughs> I'll help buddy. out with that too. I'll do my honor. All right, so let's do it. Why don't we start? All right, so we broke it up uh, with each of us taking a, a team from each division, all through the eight divisions. So. One of us each, and we'll start with the AFC, as I said. And let's. Why don't we start with AFC East? And that's you know that's a fun way to get it going. So, uh, all right, here we go. You ready, Titi? Why don't you give us a horn to get us going? We're gonna start with the New England Patriots, who uh, who are, by the way, the new the defending champions. Greg, as you know, on your throne of ease, they no longer have either starting cornerback. This is my takeaway. They no longer have any either starting quarterback from last year. Didn't draft a corner in Chicago until the seventh round. Will they regret this, or do we trust old Double B to scheme it up and make it work with the Rache Codwells and the, and the Troy Browns of the world? Are they going to get it done, or are they going to live to regret this? Not only that, but they just released Alfonso Denard. Yeah, who, who played had some good moments for them, didn't seem to fit in. I think they will regret it. I don't. I have faith in their ability to win with a mediocre secondary, but I don't have faith that this secondary will be any good. Well, if maybe that makes any sense. Maybe Bill Belichick came to the conclusion, which is mostly correct, that he's shown no ability to draft cornerbacks. So he just stopped doing it. Well, but he took... But he's still got to have somebody back there. Well, they do. The There's plenty he, of time he left. He took people. a safety in the second round, which is so reminiscent of all their terrible second round picks in the defensive backfield. Kind of a, a guy that no one expected going before the fifth round. Not that physically gifted and his name is Jordan Richards from Stanford. Maybe he'll be great. What do I really know? But he, it's very reminiscent of Razai Dowling, Tavon Wilson, and a lot of other lousy second round picks they've had in, in the backfield. What I do like what they've done is I think there's been an emphasis on completely redoing the defensive line and changing the way that team stops the run. And, you know, he likes to get frisky with his front seven. So the secondary well, maybe And that's all fine. But I know from firsthand experience with the Jets last year, if you keep putting off the secondary, you can build up that D line all you want or that front seven. Teams can pick you apart if you don't have talent back there. I'm, I would be nervous on the throne of ease that you're going to be very susceptible against the pass. Yeah. Maybe Belichick knows that Malcolm Butler isn't a one-game wonder. No, I think he likes Butler They do a lot. like him. There. That's part of it. But Kyle Arrington, Logan Ryan, Devin McCourty, Patrick Chung. I don't think it's Bradley the worst. Fletcher. I don't think it's the worst one secondary minute. in the league, but it's below one average. Minute. What else do we like about them? Well, I, I like the fact that they took Brian Stork's old teammate at Florida State. Maybe that's a new trend. You take the center one year. He was great as a rookie, and then you take the good guard right next to him. They know how to work together. What about the – Are you you have any issue that they add a wide receiver? No, not at all. I think that's one of the better positions. They've got I- Amendola. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> I love that. They- can he put it together in the regular season? Can he put- Amendola, can he be a guy 16 games, not just the playoffs, is a stud for them, Chris Wesley? No, he's not, he's not a stud, and I've never claimed he's a stud. He's a perfectly good number three wide receiver. 
And I count Gronk as one of their receivers. I mean, they're not great out wide, but I do like the fact their biggest need in the entire draft by far to me was defensive tackle, and they took a defensive tackle with the first pick. They needed that. Uh, P-check, 1-10 to 10 after the draft about this team not getting back to the Super Bowl. That's a one. They haven't got no pee in their <laughs> pants. There ain't no pee in his pants. Why should Greg be worried? I don't know. I was hoping he might have some pee in his pants. All right, well. I'm enjoying this fourth title. It was fantastic. Oh, up next. Up next, the New York Jets, Greg Rosenthal. I like how you subtly are putting them number two in the in the division already, right like behind. It. Actually, you're going to put them first. All right, let's start with their wide receiver group after taking Devin Smith, who's supposed to be really good at tracking the deep ball. Do the Jets have one of the sneaky best wide receiver groups in the NFL now? Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, Jeremy Curley, and a guy who some people remind them of Decker, Devin Smith. Kind I think it's a physical fair. guy that can get get deep. Yeah, I mean, the the issue that we had with them last offseason was that they went out and paid Eric Decker a ton of money, and he was stuck being their number one, and that's not what he is. He's actually perfectly slotted now to duplicate some of the previous success he had if there's anything coming from the quarterback position. And this front office has been aggressive about giving weapons to Geno Smith and uh, slash Ryan Fitzpatrick. I really, really like what the Jets have done over the last couple of months. I love the draft, as I said on Saturday, but I will. I am a little concerned. I, I still think about Stephen Hill, another quote-unquote one-trick pony mm. who was supposed to be the guy that could stretch the field and he never developed. And what we, what we hear about Devin Smith, if you want to talk about the cons to the draft pick, is that he doesn't have like a polished route tree. He's not a guy... Uh, that is a complete receiver in any regard at this point. He's a guy that right now could run past people and tracks a deep ball well and can make plays, but will he develop into something else? The good news, and the reason I'm really excited, is that they don't need him to be an underneath guy no. right now right. because they got some of the best possession receivers in the league right now, in my opinion, in Decker and Marshall. He just can blow the top off defenses while he uh, learns the rest of the game. Go routes, slants, crossers, and end arounds. That's his job. How about... That little subtle shot of Eric Decker calling him a possession receiver. I think that's accurate. Okay. He used to say he could get get deep a little. He did get deep. But he doesn't have Peyton Manning as a quarterback anymore. The other other thing I thought was interesting about this draft, when you drafted Leonard Williams, does that mean that Muhammad Wilkerson is hurt in his contract leverage? And does it mean that Wilkerson's not going to be on the team in a year? Huge loser in terms of uh, the contract situation. He lost all his leverage. And he had to be pissed. I mean, you think about, like, what, you know, when we were going through the first round on Thursday, like, uh, what we're thinking, like, as guys are falling, what is Mo Wilkerson thinking when all of a sudden Williams falls and mm. they take him? He's in a bad spot. But they still can franchise him after this year. He still could be around for a couple more years, and all of a sudden he's 27 or 28. The, the only thing, and Dan, you mentioned this before the draft, that you didn't want to see them, and to have Leonard Williams fall to them was the best thing you could ask for for New York. But then to eventually say that he's just really replacing Wilkerson down the road versus just adding strength. Right. And that's what you don't want to see in New York is, all right, well, because we're not going to be able to resign player A, we have to draft his replacement now. I don't quite buy it either. To me, maybe he's more of a replacement for Snacks Harrison, and then you have Wilkerson, Williams, and Richardson right next to each other. Chris. One quick point, Chris. We make too much out of starting lineups. Yeah. Every team in the NFL uses a rotation at defensive line. Chris Wessling, the Buffalo Bills. Starting quarterback Tyrod Taylor aside, do the Bills have the strongest roster in the entire AFC? Whoa. Wow. Hubba hubba. And the draft really helped you clinch that or just generally? Well, they got a, they got stronger at cornerback. They picked up a guard. Look, I mean, they've got – we already think they have one of the strongest front sevens. 
Then they pick up Percy Harvins to go with Sammy Watkins and Charles Clay and wildly your deep, boy Robert Woods. Wildly deep at running back, too. Just because I barely watched any college football, I was always surprised that Carlos Williams from Florida State was not thought of highly because he just looked like an NFL back, and he's a deep guy, too. It's an awesome roster. I think also, you know, we asked this question about the Bills last year, like outside the corner, quarterback situation, are they a playoff team? And even then, I thought potentially, and they went out and won a bunch of games last year with a milk toast, you know, offense. But now you've added Rex Ryan, too, and you've got Greg Roman. I think the entire coaching staff has their head on straight. There were issues with last year's coach and GM from the start, and I think that undermined a lot of what was going on. So, yes, the Bills, I mean, you know, Dan put the Jets number two in the AFC East. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I was just I sort of making Well, no, just the order that we did. I don't know. I don't know what you guys got cooking these are not the These are not power rankings as well. I, let me make that clear. Yeah, I don't want to be the guy because I hate when people say it about the Jets. Oh, but you have no quarterback. F you. But they don't have a quarterback still, so it's like F you. I mean, so am I supposed to get so excited? Bills, though, too. Well, feels, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, this feels like a trend in the NFL right now. Everybody points to the Seahawks and says, "Look, with a strong running game and a great defense, you can win in the NFL." Jets, Bills, Rams, Browns are—they're all trying this, right? But they don't have Russell, they don't have Russell, Russell Wilson, I, or Marshawn Lynch. These teams are all test cases. How far can you go with? Mm. Your Tyrod Taylor let's say, as quarterback. Let's say what Wes is throwing out there. Let's say they do have – there's some way to compute this, and they actually have the best roster in the AFC. And then Greg Rosenthal's boy, Matt Castle. Turns, I think he's good enough. It turns into uh, – he turns back the clock, and he has that – see if he can beat out Tyrod 2008 Patriots season or that one good Chiefs season. That's a that's a division contender if he if they get decent play out of quarterback. I, I think they're a playoff team. I'll probably be putting them in the playoffs, you know, when mm. we when make those – things the draft let's be honest it wasn't a spicy draft for them I mean I don't know where the starters are in this draft they drafted Ronald Darby in the second round he's probably maybe their third cornerback and they drafted a guard John Miller so really this was a draft that Sammy Watkins was kind of the main guy they got unless they get their first round pick back with uh, Lyle Collins Ooh, maybe Belichick. That's a good point. That's a great point. Chunky maybe Bill Belichick looked around the division and said oh yeah we don't need cornerbacks because <laughs> ain't no one throwing the ball in the AFC East outside of New England it, it's interesting because they did draft a couple guards. It's amazing how good the defensive lines are. They're trying to protect Brady. Maybe you're, maybe you're right. You build a bully. You got Richie Incognito in town. Everybody's <laughs> oh really excited. <laughs> that was. Hopefully oh, that they was drafted the replacement for Richie Incognito. I mean, they did. John Miller. I know. <laughs> Mark Sessel at Miami Dolphins. I, well, the Dolphins are a team that there's talent there as well. But I look at the organization and wonder they're the the, the front office is all wacky because Tenenbaum seems much more powerful than the actual general manager, and Philbin feels like an absolute uh, lame duck coach to me. But instead, you know, Bill Lazor sitting there running the offense. That's my boy, and I like what <laughs> they did in the draft. Number one, they went out after trading away Mike Wallace, a total head case. Devontae Parker, I think, is a First week starter right there and might end up being the best rookie wide receiver. He's right in that, mm. that mix. And guys, like, you know, that I means you don't have to rely necessarily on Greg Jennings doing anything if he even makes the team. Guy like Kenny Stills gets pushed down the depth chart. And they needed to improve the passing game for sure. And I think it's, that's, that's my starting point is I think New, you know, Miami is serious about giving Ryan Tannehill some weapons. They went out and got Jordan Cameron as well. And changing what was a pretty boring passing game two years ago got a little bit better last year. Think Kenny Stills or Greg Jennings are fighting for a spot, I, and you would not totally sure if Greg Jennings is going to make this team. Not now. Do you need Greg Jennings as a fourth? Didn't receiver? they give him four million guaranteed? Was it all guaranteed? They did. Then, then he is making. They did the team. pay him. Got to make. The yeah. Team. 
if he maybe they're splitting the slap, snaps up Jarvis Landry. They do have a lot of people to throw to though that weren't there last year. Stills, Parker, uh, and Cameron. The other thing, you know, I look at Lamar Miller, and I think that's a team that wants to run the ball as well. And he was what his first thousand yard season last year. But he then was they go great out last year. Yeah, I thought he was good, but they go out and get stronger. They draft Jay Ajayi. Is that how you say it? Ajayi, yeah. which there a lot go. of people thought was going to go in the second round. Well, it was a steal in the fifth round. So I think that you know a lot of emphasis after you know getting the Dominican Sue on defense. I think they really want to see if they can be this you know Bill Lazor Eagles esque offense if it's going to translate or not. They'll live to regret the Sioux contract, let's face it. They gave too much money to that guy. But the way this <laughs> roster is set up right now with Sue in his prime and if Tannehill get, takes the next step, this is a great division to track. It's a, You can make a real case for every team in the division to win. So I think they came out of both free agency and the draft uh, in a very good spot to contend, personally. Ajay is someone to watch because just from the sound of it, he sounded like a guy who could have been the third running back off the board here, and then he has a foot injury, and so that totally crushed him. And I, I think teams sometimes overreact to the short-term injury thing because this is a four-year contract with a guy that could be a big factor this year. And I think if you watched him earlier last year, they wanted no Sean Marino to be that guy. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lamar Miller, for for all the you know impressive season, is not a power back. And like Tannehill, he – definitely benefited from a gimmick offense. I like Miller, but he's not, to me, like a three-down running back. He's a perfect no. committee back that you keep in the mix. By the way, just to prove to you guys that this is not a power rankings by any, any stretch, let's move on to the AFC North. Whoa! And we'll start with the Cleveland Browns, who, uh, you know, I liked what they did. We talked about meat and potatoes draft for the Browns. Not a lot of sizzle, but just try to get better, make their roster better. But here's what I I really liked is after all the all the talk of Johnny Manziel, them them being basically they're moving on, they don't want anything to do with him, they're giving up. That's not how the draft played out because they didn't draft a quarterback, and maybe they wanted Bryce Petty, and the Jets moved up a spot to maybe get him, so the Browns didn't get him first. But at the end of the day, Manziel is still uh, to me in the mix. Uh, and if Josh McCown can't get the job done and Manziel keeps his head on straight, he's going to get another shot at this, and I think he deserves another shot at this. I think maybe deserves a strong word, but he, they, the Browns should have him get another shot at this because they invested so highly in him. So when the, when the 2015 season's over, uh, I think Manziel is going to get some starts, and I think that's a good thing. I think they need to see this through, good or bad. I think it, for me, you know, I would want to see them give him a larger leash than seven quarters when you know clearly his life was in trouble back then that's it's going to depend on who he is off the field how hard he works the biggest issue that red light for me was number one physically he did not look like an NFL quarterback on the field last year and it's week 12 week 13 and everyone wants to see how great Kyle Shanahan is but there is some responsibility of a coaching staff to know that your players by week 12 week 13 know the playbook and he didn't at all so there's got to be more accountability with him from the start. But the Browns, it's just like Wes mentioned. They're one of these teams that are doing all they can to increase where they can be strong and make a difference while you still have a hole at the quarterback They're up position. They're upfront about it. Patton on Monday said in the interview, we're, gonna, we're doing as much as we can to minimize the quarterback position. He used those words. Sound, sounds dangerous to me. And they were really well, getting annoyed. Sounds like straight out of the Rex Ryan handbook, by <laughs> I mean, the way. But he's like saying it, minimize. Yeah. And he was getting really annoyed with all the questions about quarterback when he wanted to talk about, you know, the five picks they had in the first three rounds. If you're hiding your quarterback, you're admitting a weakness. I mean, a weakness is debilitating. And it's a, it, well, it is a weakness. But also the, the reality is fans are like, why didn't you go get 
this guy. Well, it was the worst offseason in a while to get any sort of free agent quarterback. Right. And they did try to trade for Sam Bradford. They did try to trade up to get Mariota and those things. That's expensive, and that didn't work. Although, they weren't just sitting pat, but it didn't happen the way some I don't some criticize thought. the Browns much. I know you're sent sensitive to that and I have nothing to criticize them for. For one thing I think they can take a, a little bit of a fair criticism. They like throwing these little nuggets out there like the Bradford and the Mariota interest to to pacify the fans and make everyone feel like oh they're really trying to do the right thing but they, then, then they don't do it. They do seem to me they come off as a reactionary franchise and that's why I like that they they stayed put at QB. Yep. They, they have they've shown they're showing some patience, and maybe they maybe it pays off. I yeah. don't know why, but I'm convinced Danny Shelton's going to be like the defensive rookie of the year, right mm. in the mix. Yeah, we never really criticized the Browns on here. You are a factory of sadness. <laughs> Mark, completely silent, silent there. Cincinnati Bengals, Greg Rosenthal. I love the horn, by the way, and I <laughs> love the way that uh, the Bengals. Listen to Andrew Whitworth. Dare them to take oh, that was the best. a tackle. Dare you to replace me. And in the most Mike Brown move ever, of course he took him up on it. Take Cedric Abouye in the first round. This is a guy, by the way, someone had number one overall pick in a September or October mock last year. So that's – he was – Did you see what of. they picked in the second round too? And then the second <laughs> round, they do it again. I mean, to me, isn't – Forget you, all your great service, Andre Whitworth. Forget that you were the best uh, pass-protecting left tackle in the league last year. We're going to bang you publicly and humiliate you. And and I'm wondering, you know, they've invested a lot in these two tackles. Don't, doesn't this sa- seem like the mice, most Mike Brown thing ever? Vindictive a little bit? It does. I'm not sure Mike Brown's really running right. the personnel department anymore, but Whitworth, like you guys said, I mean, a heck of a player, and the closest thing they have to a true team leader and one of the best dudes in the NFL. So, yeah, you're really hanging Hard knocks, a uh, nice guy. Yeah. It's weird because they have – their tackles are among the best tackle tandems in the league, Andre Smith and Andrew Whitworth. Now, Andre Smith's not coming off his best year, and Whitworth's older, but they really drafted depth here in the first couple of rounds. Not a spicy draft for the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, it's another team where you've got an issue at quarterback and Hugh Jackson wants to run the ball, and I think they unearthed a great f- number one running back in Hill last year. Hmm. And so keep getting deeper along the offensive line. I have no problem with that because some of these guys, I'm sure you can move them inside, do certain things with them if you really need to. But, you know, keeping around left tackles, <laughs> keeping that position strong, I don't have a problem at all. So Are they my- a better team now than they were last year? I mean, I guess getting healthy will make them better, all the guys they had injured. But by far their biggest issue last year was they had the worst pass rush in the NFL, and they didn't draft a pass rush. That's your critique. They drafted two backup tackles. Right, and their third-round pick, Paul Dawson, got a lot of love from TCU as kind of that heady, really productive inside linebacker that falls too far in the draft because he's not, you know, blowing up. You know, he had a very, very slow But, again, a guy who's going to ride the pine as a rookie. Bengals have now two uh, tight ends named Tyler. I, I call that a red flag. The third-round pick, <laughs> t- Tyler Croft. This is, you know, it's not really a sexy pick. The pick analysis, according to Mike Mayock on our draft page, Croft is one of the real solid guys who, as the draft <laughs> process moved on, gained more steam. Okay. Exciting. He's still <laughs> a backup negative. tight end. They also drafted <laughs> okay. the guy from USC that jumped out of the window and then said he saved to save his drowning oh, cousin. Oh, that, that guy. He went in the USC fourth guy. round, Josh Shaw. You know, it's nice to see him. <laughs> Land on his feet. That was, Ooh. Oh. Oh. Wow. We should have stopped the podcast. We'll never tough get better endure. than that. Did you say tough to endure, Mark? That line was. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was am, I'm embarrassed by I it. I think we just need to move on because. <laughs> Chris Lessling, let's talk a little Baltimore Ravens. 
Well, we know they lost Torrey Smith, Owen Daniels, and Bernard Pierce in the offseason. They go and draft replacements for each one of those guys. Bernard Perriman, or Brashad Perriman, I'm sorry. Max Williams, known as the best tight end in the draft, and Javorius Allen. So they've replaced those guys, but we also see that sometimes relying on rookies, you get left empty-handed a little bit. Should the Ravens be considered the favorites in the division now that they have replaced those guys? Hmm. Well, I mean, they have to work out, but, they, you know, I, kind of what I would say about Pittsburgh, too, Baltimore didn't get cute after a lot of wind about we love our young wide-receiving group. And, in fact, hey, we don't even know if we need to draft a tight end. We're just so happy with all our young players. <laughs> they go out and do both, and that's what they should Smoke screen. Yeah, and they took two tight ends. They took a guy in the fifth round. Uh, Nick Boyle, who a lot of people liked, a guy from Delaware. How about the Delaware factory going into Baltimore? <laughs> I mean, the Blue Hens. They, they just wanted someone to hang out with Flacco because they know they're going to cut his best friend Dennis Pitta or his career. I like how Greg just wanted to talk about Delaware. Oh, that's a good <laughs> goth prog rock <laughs> band. That tells me their scouting outfit. department can't go more than a state over to find <laughs> players. Lazy. Harbaugh talked about it that this was a, a draft where their the need happened to meet up with their board perfectly. Well, that's what, come on, everyone that. always says that. I would like the a coach or GM to come out and say like the need never met up with our board. We're banged. We got desperate. It's over. I don't think the Ravens are the favorite to answer your question. Why are they? Why would they, they have be the fewer favorite? weak spots than any other than Pittsburgh? Team? Yeah, Pittsburgh has. I mean, what's going on in their secondary? Well, we can discuss that in a minute. Let's not steal my fire entirely. Well, I think I think Pittsburgh would be the favorite to me because they have the best quarterback and they have the best strength, which is that offense. That offense is so good. It's the one thing I know in the division is going to be great. Or I think I think it's going to be great. And I don't know. I'm not totally sure about anything else. So I think uh, the, isn't the Ravens' defense just as good as the Steelers' offense? Hmm. I don't know. Big Ben's the difference to me, but uh, I I think with the, every year what we're told is these teams just flip. The, you know, they're the both Ra- there. The Ravens' Twitter feed also tells us, hashtag, and Ozzy we trust. <laughs> so we do give them the benefit of the doubt. And that's why uh, this is another hard division to figure out, but you know the Ravens are going to win between 9.5 and, and 10.5 and games. Yeah, it's true. Book it. Comes down so to 10? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they go 10 and 6 like every year to me. So that's where we're going to end up. Deadly accurate in my book. Well, yeah, well, book it. What do you guys think of the double X at the end of Max Williams, though? I don't know. I like it. Makes uh, it memorable. What about the double G at the end of Greg Rosenthal? That's true. It's similar. It's like making your Mountain Dew red. You should almost go with a nut. You know, they should go with another X if you're going to go that far. Just... Did you do any research on, on uh, footprints in the sand? Nice Connor Orr joke Greg passed along there. That wasn't supposed to be a joke. I just... Does that make it? Never mind. <laughs> All right. Footprints in the sand. I'm not a Bible reader, so. No. It wasn't in the Bible. We gathered that. It's, oh, yeah. it's not inside that book. Mark Sassler, the, ball, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, you know, the Steelers, some of these smoke screens that are thrown around before the draft are mind-boggling and they're tedious. And <laughs> Steelers are like, we're secure okay. enough to not throw that your way. If they said over and over, we have a couple of needs. We've got a need in the secondary, and we have a needed outside linebacker. The GM said this is one of the best class we've seen for pass rushers, and that's probably what we're going to go do, and that's exactly what they did. They I like went that. out and drafted Bud Dupree. I like that you tie uh, smoke screens back to security and insecurity. I like that. Well, I think the Steelers don't have to you know, take you down a million different pathways. This is what we like. This is what we need. And you know, I don't think Pittsburgh had enough picks to go out and address correctly with value and where they were all the issues going on with their defense because Troy Polamalu is gone. 
you know, people can say Ike Taylor is gone. That may be addition by subtraction. I know he's a friend of Damashek, but his career was on the way out. <laughs> and that's just they need to get younger, and they've gone out, and they've done what they can. I thought they did a good job in the first round. But the, it's more about what are the young players going to do in Pittsburgh. There's a lot of leaders and, and, and you know, proven dudes walking I, out the door. I think you hit the nail on the head there. All of these picks they've, uh, they've invested, Ryan Chizier, Jarvis Jones, now Bud Dupree, and a guy like Shamarco Thomas, who was a mid-round pick a few years and has been their fourth safety instead of their guy coming off the bench to – they've had Will Allen playing over him. So all these draft picks have to pan out. They, You know, the guy Stephon Tuitt they drafted last year in the second round. These guys need to be what they projected them to be or else they're not going to win the division. Yeah. Jarvis Jones has been a bust. So far, yeah. For two years, you haven't gotten really anything out of him. He's not on the field that much in the playoff games. And so you draft Dupree, who in theory is a competition for him, or maybe he'll be starting with him. The fact that they brought back James Harrison at all is a sign that they knew they had problems there. And I know they didn't focus on offense and they didn't need to, but it is interesting reading some of the stuff that came out of the draft that they absolutely seem to love Sammy Coates, the wide receiver they got. And he may not have a big chance to play, and he had a drops issues in college, but they called him a first-round talent. It's a big-time pick, a third-round pick on a receiver when you're wildly deep at receiver. I mean, he got the T.O. comparisons because he's just the physical monster that just can't catch the ball. Oh, yeah, I think the draft Knicks <laughs> love. I was like, what? I'm going to the Hall of Fame. The draft Knicks love this, the late-round picks here. I heard a lot of praise for Doran Grant that when people were scouting Bradley Roby, that Grant outplayed him. Anthony Chiquillo and, and Gerard Holloman all – Draft Knicks loved all those guys. Well, I don't know about you, but I think Senquez Golson is going to just change the entire division. Well, not if you watch no, that. Temperature. I, don't, I don't really that know That Iowa anything. game, he fell out. He's not even on He's a second-round pick, and I don't know anything about you. Sorry, Senquez. We Sorry. move on to the AFC South. I have time to say something on a smoke screen. Yeah, go ahead. Just like how some blogs keep sites, keep track of, like, mock drafts and who got it right, who got it wrong, we should keep track of, like, team and their smoke screen. Well, we did do yeah. that. Yeah. You we, did. Yeah, well, there we are tried- no, we're two different articles on our site dedicated to that dynamic, so good awesome. call on your part. Awesome. Well, we didn't go after or, the or, fact or, and or maybe say not reading wrong. the site. One of the two things. Mark clearly pissed off about the Cleveland Browns factor of sadness drop. Yeah, no. <laughs> Take it out on you. <laughs> All right, here we go. The Indianapolis Colts, the defending AFC South champions, they added another talented wide receiver in Philip Dorsett. We talked about him on Saturday. Uh, but I, I'm I'm not one that's in on that pick. I think this team had, mm. what, double 50 burgers dropped on it in the last two playoffs, and uh, you add a wide receiver at the top of the draft. Go be, get get a little more physical, on your get better on your defensive line, get more protection up front, maybe get somebody in the back end. But a wide receiver, it didn't feel like a pick. I know it's like pick the best guy on your board, but maybe that's not always the right move. The Colts, to me, feel like one of these teams that is doing everything they can to beat one team, and that's the New England Patriots. Yeah, they're going to play them again in the playoffs if it's going to, you know, if the, if the roadmap is what we expect. And I actually do like that. Got to be careful with that, though, because, yeah, that's how it's been, but the rest of the conference is getting better meanwhile. Well, it's, it's reckless, but it's, yeah. maybe they're just obsessed with it, and, and that's what stands <laughs> in between them and the Super Bowl. And they have, you know, you go out and get Andre Johnson – you add this draft pick. You've got Frank Gore replacing Trent Richardson. That's a, obviously a massive upgrade if they can get even one season or two out of Gore. And I look at Indianapolis, and they are going for it. And maybe, yeah, they overlooked some of what would have been more meat-and-potatoes-type situation for them. But, listen, they got to the AFC Championship last year with one of the best quarterbacks we're going to see in our lifetime, so I like it. Unpopular it- pick among 
fans, unpopular pick among writers, and then PFT had a report we were talking about, Dan, that an unpopular pick among some of the Colts players who didn't understand what was happening. What if you, instead of saying his position is wide receiver, what if you say his position is Devin Hester? Because mm. his return skills are part That's of the That's why they, they drafted him. him for his a first-round pick? Well, he's going to probably do, again, some end-around, some slants, some deep routes. You know, but return guy. But return guy, I think. Seems like a luxury pick, though, and that's, yeah. that still sounds well, like if, that. Well, if they pick up Henry Anderson in the third round, who a lot of people saw as a first-round talent, mm. and if that guy's your big defensive tackle hoss or defensive end hoss, maybe you killed two birds with one stone. I I would like to see in the NBC introductions them say, Philip Dorsett playing Devin Hester. Playing the Devin Hester rule. <laughs> like that, that's a new that's a, just a new thing. That just would be the Hester, ultimate honor to have a position named after you. By the way, Jim Ursay comes out and says that the goal is to win two championships in the Andrew Luck era. Who who caps the <laughs> right, number of titles you, you want to win? That feels a little modest. Don't you want to win every year? I I think so. Well, it also to me it seems strange. Like so after the first one, well, we were just halfway there. Like, yeah. You can't get too excited about exactly. that. Exactly. It's another by the way, it's another shot of Peyton Manning. That really is. Ooh. It does feel like a, a shot at Peyton Manning. We're always taking shots. It's like him and Rank and Damashek at all times. <laughs> Greg Rosenthal, you are up next with what team? The Houston Texans. Yum. And uh, what really stuck out to me with the Texans is their first three picks were filling the biggest needs on their team. Really thin at cornerback. Have a, two good starters, but absolutely no one – after that, and so they take what a lot of people thought were the, was the safest cornerback in the draft, Kevin Johnson, who can play zone defense, which Romeo Cornell likes to do. They have no one at inside linebacker, really, and they take Bernardrick McKenney, who people think can start right away. He also has a little flexibility to play on the outside. And then they're also very thin at wide receiver. They get a good value in Jalen Strong. So it's one of those that they, they really sort of check the boxes. I think people should be happy with this Texans draft. They've been looking for that inside linebacker next to Brian Cushing, it seems like, for over half a decade now. Well, now they need the inside linebacker next to Brian Cushing, and they need the inside linebacker that's replacing Brian Cushing. Because what's Bri- I mean, Brian Cushing's career at this point is not something that we know is going to continue. Maybe right? Brooks I mean, Reed I has move four other year. brothers. I'm just saying we don't really know if he's going to be there really long term. Some people think they were going to play McKinney outside, which they're also – I mean, they're thin at that linebacker spot, I think, regardless. They just re-signed Whitney Merciless. But uh, I don't know. I like this. A lot of money for Whitney Merciless, by the way. Yeah, I like the surprising. strong pick at wide receiver. I mean, they needed to upgrade that position. But, th- again, another team. Like, how much hope can you have in the Texans with their quarterback situation? I like the move that he immediately asked for number 11 because he was the 11th wide receiver drafted, and he wants to remember Ooh. every day and mm. all the teams that passed on him. That's the Paul Pierce move. Pierce did the same thing with He's like, number. I will have a bigger chip on my shoulder. His career. He should, call, he should call himself the truth, too, one of the great nicknames. I love that the, the day after the, the draft, there's like 18 posts about players with chips on their shoulders. Paul Pierce? Over it. Yeah. Yeah, well, he wasn't the first one. Jimmy Jackson was the truth. Former Ohio State star, then Dallas Maverick. Are you doing Really? O- Jimmy the truth Jackson, yeah. Are you doing okay with uh, Pierce the Spurs with- out of the playoffs, by the way? I it, it it really decreases my interest in the rest of the playoffs. But, you know, that was it was, I think, arguably – I would argue the greatest first round series in NBA history. Mm. Houston Texans fans, they are cannot get enough Texans information <laughs> in this segment. They will about, be happy. I, I know I was about to go into a how about that Dikembe Mutombo series when he was the eight seed and they came the back. The Duggets won. Yeah, that was a good series. But I think these two teams were stronger. Blue Celtics a couple years ago. That was great. 
that was a good one. Young Rose. No, we're sorry, Texans. Yeah, yeah this was, was, this throw was a bone. Texans this was. are going to get a lot of buzz, I think, as a as a trendy sort of playoff type of team. Go ahead, don't pick you think? You Damn, know I'm not going to. Damashek loves him. No, thank you. It's a talented team other Could've, than the quarterback. You should have gone out and upgraded on Ryan Mount and Brian Hoyer if you wanted us to talk about you. Mm. Well, Ryan Ma- all that Ryan Mallet talk, that's one thing I am looking forward to. We're going to see if that can, guy can actually play. Because I'm sick of the Mallet crowd pumping that guy up for no reason. Check. Dan won about a $250 dinner out of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. All right, Chris Wessling, you're up. Well, you've got the Tennessee Titans, which, you know, now they have an identity. Oh, the former and once again Tennessee Titans. Yes. Now they have Marcus Mariota, <laughs> Doriel Green Beckham. They've got this great offensive – I don't know about great, but they've got an intriguing young offensive nucleus. How long until they seriously challenge the Colts for the division title? Wow. I love that. Mm. How many years? Over, under, two? It's so hard because we don't know if he's any good, but if he's good. Right. If he becomes a top-ten quarterback – and I, I don't know what Ryan Grigson's doing in Indy. I'm down on the Colts, personally. Two years. This wrestling love affair, this this Wesserection for the Tennessee Titans <laughs> is one of my favorite, favorite trends of the new season. Well, look, I've been trying to give them attention since I started at this company because, you know, I have a protest against the fact that the Jets sneeze and everyone writes, like, Rightly so. Can we transcribe that sneeze and then just put it in the um, headline? Super Bowl three champions. Uh, into <laughs> well, it. One thing, though, let's I, uh, you know, Mariota, number one, it's not easy to come in and be successful as a rookie. We're only three years removed from the Jaguars and the Titans drafting first round top 15 quarterbacks and saying three years ago offseason. Now they're going to come in and they're going to challenge and win. None of it worked. You're one year removed from the Jaguars drafting Blake Bortles and nobody knows who he is. Right. I mean, nobody knows what he is. Not yet. Sure. I mean, I just—it's going to take time. And, and, and number, if you're if you're Ken Wisenhunt, I think this bought you a longer lease as the coach. It it really did. Gives you an extra he, year. I it would gives think. you a lease. Yeah. He's got to prove that he can develop a young quarterback. We can hand you Hall of Famers, and you can get ten or eleven wins. Have a nice day. But this is on him taking a quarterback that is not coming from a pro-ready system. That's why it's interesting to watch for me and, and prove that he can adapt his offense. I mean, you can question who got the credit for adapting to Kurt Warner. Is it Todd Haley? Was it Ken Wisenhunt? They have a lot of weapons. Hunter Wright, uh, Doriel Green Beckham. It is a fun team we talked about on the show to watch. I, I take it back, by the way. I initially agreed with you that it's going to give them a longer leash, but if they have a bad season, I could see the that management saying, whoa, 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 we got to get out of this, get somebody in, tailor them exactly They're gonna to They're going to have new Mariota. management soon, aren't they? Aren't they up for sale? They, yeah, well, there's ownership issues. I mean, yeah, there's a lot in flux. He's got to go out and show big progress. He's got to. But I, the thing you want to get excited about, and maybe you could get excited about Blake Bortles too if you want, but uh, you want Andrew Luck to have a true rival in the division, a quarterback. That's why this division is not going to be sexy until that happens. Maybe Mariota becomes that guy. That's a good point. Why did? They, by the way, they took a fourth-round fullback. Yeah, let's uh, hold off. What year off. is this? Let's hold off with the fourth round fullback. I'm also Way a big, to go, Rustin. <laughs> I'm also a big fan of sixth round pick left outside linebacker Deontrez Mount. I mean, that's one of you those know, names. Give me that's something. That's just a great Give me name, something on Deontrez Mount. Give me something on him. Well, I just like his name. Okay. They have a million <laughs> outside linebackers. Finally, Mark Sessler. The Jacksonville What's your problem, Jaguars. Like an endless stream of like untoward references by Greg in this podcast. That wow. wasn't untoward. Whoa. I just liked his name. What about the uh, you know you're going at Wes about well, Wes's body that, parts? That, that was <laughs> that was un- that's fair. All right, 
The Jaguars. Jaguars. Well, all right. Obviously, we drop them fourth here because it's the Jaguars. But Not a power rankings, by the way. Okay. Well, at some point, you've got to have – there's got to be a tipping point for number one on defense. You went out and got your quarterback last year, and any team that passed on Leonard Williams is going to be examined closely because that's exactly what the Jaguars did. But I really think we heard from even before the class that they loved Dante Fowler. That they And, you know, this front office, give them this, they took Blake Bortles at number three when a lot of teams didn't know where that guy should be picked. They know who they want in these drafts, and they go out and get him. Jeremiah called Fowler. He said he plays as hard as anyone in the entire draft class. Mm. And there is this is a defense that had 45 sacks last year, six in the league. They still have issues on defense, but they can rush the passer, not always when they want to, but maybe this is the kind of guy that you if Ken Wisenhunt's in trouble, I think this is coaching oh, yeah. staff absolutely has to turn the corner. The this entire year. regime, to me, is absolutely. up against it right now. And that is damning them with faint praise, saying that they, they know who they want and they go get them. We've got to see if they know what they're doing. We still have no right. idea G- what they you know, know what they're doing. You know who was like that? was Gene Smith, their former GM, because he would take guys out of nowhere that you never heard of. And for a little while, people thought, ooh, that guy's creative. And then it turned into the worst roster in the league. Well, Fowler was no reach here, though. No, Fowler is the missing piece for them. They have not had an outside pass rusher in, I don't know. I can't think of when was the last outside pass rusher Jacksonville had. And you're right, though. They've coached up a really good or improving defense despite not having that. The one other position, I mean, they really were going after running back very hard in free agency. They couldn't get anyone. And, you know, they go out and they get T.J. Yeldon. And I'm not going to pretend that I watched 17 hours of this guy's college career, but I found a quote from a scout who said, after people are saying, oh, Denard Robinson, sit down, this scout wrote, for being a creative back of Yeldon, he has no juice to get away from anyone. He's a rotational back. I wouldn't take him any sooner than the fifth because you can find guys like that all over the place. That's the 36th, 36th overall pick. Well, They must disagree. That must not have and been they thought strongly. Yeah. They thought strongly about Toby Gerhardt last year, so maybe this team could have a, a bit of a blind spot in the backfield. They so. were desperate to take a running back. If you, if you read uh, Mike Silver's article inside the Jaguars, war room Gus Bradley was pounding the table to take Yeldon and get what he thought was a bell cow back so we'll see if that's a little bit of a reach did they do enough to put some new weapons Wes around Blake Bortles who they need to see progress from 10 seconds I don't know I mean outside of send Derek Marks coming off an ACL injury and Julius Thomas who they signed who's a star on this roster like a st- like a difference making talent. The only thing I'd say is they use last. They have year. a lot of young talent, right. But it's all like he Bort- might develop into a good starter. You gotta hope Bortles. Yeah. Moving on, finally to the AFC West, and I'll start again. Mark, not a power rankings. The Kansas City Chiefs. Clearly not. Up first. Uh, <laughs> I thought they should have been more aggressive in deepening their wide receiver group. Uh, there is a stat out there. Greg, uh, no touchdowns by the Chiefs wide receivers in 2014. You're fired. Some people are aware of that. Some Get people out. are not. Get out of the studio. Uh, pop quiz. <laughs> Mark Sessler, because you're good at this game. Who is this? Who is uh, slotted on our lads to be starting across from Jeremy Macklin for the Chiefs this season? That might be young Hemingway, our friend. I don't <laughs> no. know. D'Anthony Thomas. Who's that's the, why you don't, that's, that's yeah, why you don't treat our lads like a Bible. Uh all right, who is who's the guy? It's, it's Albert supposed Wilson. Supposed to be Albert Wilson and Chris Conley, the rookie they drafted, will be competing for the job opposite Macklin. Well, I let, like wait, Albert wait. Wilson. So do I as a let fourth receiver, my point. not a second receiver. Before we get into it, I get into this because with the third round pick, they they selected Chris Conley, wide receiver out of Georgia. So maybe you like DeAnthony Thomas, who showed some playmaking skills last year. Maybe you think Albert Wilson is a guy who can progress. 
But really, you would think that Chris Conley, their third-round pick, is going to get a chance at a starting job out of the gate. Should they have gone a little higher and gotten a, a more promising player higher in this draft than the 76th pick? Mm. How many third-round wide receivers come in and start day one? That's It's rare for that to happen. Right. Yep. And D'Anthony Thomas, he's – you know, he's he's a little chess piece that you right. ten snaps a game. He's not a he's not a guy who's going to start. Well, they're they're not an NFL offense. They're a totally weird existence of a team that just throws passes under eight yards. So they their whole like maybe a wide receiver that goes deep like isn't even that useful for them. Well, they, their playmakers are Jamal Charles and Travis Kelsey, and right. now Jeremy Macklin too. So it's just they're a wild, wacky, weird uh, offense. They will be remembered in the two best wide receiver classes we've seen in ages and ages as a team that didn't use that mm. at all to improve their team. And outside Good of point. Macklin, a guy that Reed knows Macklin, so he's going to go get these players he likes. Point, Tesla. Come on, Kansas City. How are you going to sell tickets? Wait, wasn't that my point? I, I think that Dan, <laughs> well, we're just, that how we started this. We're segment? just padding yeah. Dan's no, point. Right. Dan made an excellent. I point, guess I was thinking about how these Dan's last point. two classes were so good and historic, <laughs> and you know they they kind of punted on taking yeah. a big chance on a wideout. All right, point uh, for Dan. Too. No, I'm not looking for points. Wait, Wait, now, we're some, around the horn. Yeah, now we're really doing uh, negative. Uh, we're all fired to Wesseling. Why for mentioning around the horn? Oh, okay. You know what? I'm I'm a little. Uh, it's a little depressing when you think about it. It does seem like by the time with this weird offense that they have and Alex Smith involved and Andy Reid. They're going to be wasting Jamal Charles's prime. Mm. It's going to be 32 yeah. years old before we know it. And really one of the more underrated backs of his generation is going to be history. It's depressing to think that they have Charles and Kelsey on their team. And yet, if you had to rank teams you would want to watch next year, ballpark, where is Kansas City? 28 and down. 25th. Dan? Uh, 28th. Yeah. 28 and a half and 29 and a half right in the middle. It's their quarterback. <laughs> Uh, all right, moving on. Chris Wessling, give us a li- – I'm sorry, Greg Rosenthal, got to keep oh, with wow. the faith. The San Diego Chargers. All right, let's talk a little about this Chargers draft. I'm okay. going to start in the second round because people <laughs> – People, we'll talk about Melvin Gordon in a second. But why do they keep investing so much time, money, and energy on inside linebacker? They oh, just always. gave a massive contract to Donald Butler, who's been a disapp- who was a disappointment last year. Maybe they're getting rid of him. They get Manti Teo, who you probably has a similar skill set to a lot of fifth. By the way, picks. nice fake girlfriend. You hear about that? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> and now they take Denzel Perriman. And I don't know. Maybe Denzel Perriman will be great. But it was a strange move to me for a team that's already – picked up a lot of inside linebackers. So you were a huge fan of what they did there? No. I, that's all I got. You know, just a, a I thought they needed a pass rusher, exactly. not an inside linebacker. They need a pass rusher. You've got Melvin wide receivers and uh, Jeremiah Tadashu. Right. That's correct. Right. Well, <laughs> I dare you to name any player on this roster who's had more than six sacks in a season. That's a fair point. I mean, they're really counting on Engram. So I thought they needed something there. They had to trade up to get Gordon. We'll see if they really needed to. Or I don't not. have they a problem to... with going out. And no, I like that. that they needed back. a running back. In it fact, w- I thought they should have made a push for one of those free agents. DeMarco Murray, I remember predicting. They needed that guy desperately, so they went out and they got him. I really like that pick. And he's he's going to be a three-down type of guy. I mean, you put him, and then on third downs when you don't use him, you have Woodhead in. Well, Brandon Oliver. I mean, they've got a, they have some interesting different running backs, and and I can't stop thinking about what they were at the end of two seasons ago when Ryan Matthews was enjoying his best 
year, and they were just pounding people with the run and taking the heat off Phillip Rivers. They can do that again if they hit on this Gordon pick. I like that you can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop like thinking about it. It keeps you up it. at night. I have a lot of other responsibilities that are just completely <laughs> cast aside, and I cannot – I can't get it off my mind. Those 13 Chargers, they had it all. Here, here's why, you know, I just am a little – was thinking, we'll see – they they might have gotten a little freaked out by the the Texans or the Texans had a nice little sure. pump, pump fake because they traded up to just go up two picks they gave up a fourth and a fifth because they were worried that the Texans were going to take them in between so you want to talk about a smokescreen maybe working maybe that would you know the Texans the Texans only get them. into the minds of other teams and shake things up we've seen this I've got a friend. <laughs> Brad Spicer, who I've known for a long time. I trust, hey, Brado! I trust him on... Hey, hey, Spice! Hey, Spicy! Spicy! <laughs> I trust him on college evaluation more than anybody, and he sent me a text moments before the draft started saying, if if the Cowboys draft Melvin Gordon, I guarantee you he leads the NFL in rushing as a rookie. Mm. DJ liked Yum. Gordon as much or more than Gurley. He seems like a very safe and yet exciting pick. So uh, He needs to have a column, the Spice Rack, and it's just spice draft report. nuggets. Oh, I like that, the Spice Rack. <laughs> yeah. Take something up, the Spice Rack, Spicy. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, the West, and this was the Wessling, and this was not an accident. The buzzer arrived just in time. For the Raiders. <laughs> well, you know, I approach this exercise as I would raise questions for the group. Okay. And the first okay. question I that came to my mind was how long until each of this dra- each of these draft picks is released by Reggie McKenzie? <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow! On the same day that James Jones is released, one year after he signed, which is you know, one year after Matt Schaub, one year after Maurice Jones-Drew, Lamar Woodley. This is what the Raiders do. But we'll get rest, we'll in, about, rest in peace. Wes's mentions after this podcast goes live. I've had, already blocked all the Raiders fans. <laughs> <I can't imagine. laughs> they they had a good draft last year. Not just the first two picks. They got contributions from their third, oh, fourth, which or is fifth why round I, pick. It was a very good draft. Which is why I have a follow-up question. Okay. okay. Are the building blocks of Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, Khalil Mack, and C.O. Moore strong enough to win more than four games? Because basically well, that's the Raiders – that's the job now, win more than what, four games. One of Keep my, your fans interested. One of my favorite things that teams do is if you go out and you get a quarterback and then you like him, the next year, because you're still probably going to be crappy because your quarterback needs some time, so you'll get a good pick. Then go get one of the best wide receivers in the class, and then you have two young guys, and maybe they develop into like a superstar rapport together. That's what I think the Raiders did here. If both those guys hit, that could, you could build an offense around those two players. But as we've talked about in this podcast before, we have no idea yet if Derek Carr is any good. Right. So until we know that, uh, that really tells you everything about that organization and Reggie McKenzie's future. Khalil Mack, absolutely. And they right. and they hit that out of the park. I agree. With Carr, I just don't want to make a final decision on a quarterback after one year. I know that's what we that's what they ask us to do all the time. But there needs to be more snaps, more games, and more experience sure. for no him until we know. Who is Cooper? I don't know the people. Shadowy league figure. They're signing paychecks. They're small paychecks. <laughs> you know, Amari Cooper, very, very widely regarded as like oh, yeah. a perfect guy to go at this pick. So, I mean, if for all the stuff McKenzie's done that has you sitting there scratching your head, where he's put, been put at the draft, you can only screw it up <laughs> if you don't go out and get the guy that's the best player. And he did that with Khalil Mack last year, and I think he might have done it again with Cooper. That's fair. I'm more worried about – the coaching staff. I'm just as worried about the coaching staff as I am about the roster. So when you brought up that question, my thought is, well, can Jack Del Rio, Bill Musgrave, and Ken Norton Jr. Uh, really max out a team's roster? And I have my doubts on that. 
and this roster isn't very good, and it's been so long since the Raiders have been good that it's like hard to even imagine them, well, them winning more than six games. Well, I, I, I don't want to keep swinging positive on the Raiders, but look, here's one thing that maybe is good about the dynamic that's going on there because the coaching staff that came in has enough power to tell McKenzie – you go cut all these players that you brought in last year that aren't yeah. going to win for us. I mean, that's not what Del, GM wanted Del to Rio do. Del Rio did not inspire confidence with his player evaluation. <laughs> and by the way, second-round pick Mario Edwards Jr. from what everyone says was a terrible pick. Oh, Gre- really? Gre- Greg, did you notice the uh, sneaky uh, wage grievance there by Sessler? I no. didn't find it to be I did. that sneaky. I thought it was right out there. <laughs> I was tuned out by then. Finally, uh, Mark Sessler, the last team in the AFC, the Denver Broncos. I, you know, I was looking at their draft, and I, I think, number one, it, the real theme here was Kubiak having to go out and get guys that he can use in his offense, which from an offensive line standpoint, they made a change at center. They bring in Max Garcia and another guy that I just watched probably four or five games of his from each of his past few seasons. This is a zone-blocking center. Where did that, he go to school? Well, you know, that's not the important Ooh. part. We're talking about where he's now, and he's in Denver. And <laughs> nice recovery, gonna, Mark. Thank you. He's going to do fine. I think that's a good pickup. They went and got a tight end, and Jeff Howerman that fits that offense. And on defense, you know, you have DeMarcus Ware, and you got Von Miller, and you go out and get Shane Ray. So it's basically saying we are just going to dominate one aspect of the game on defense, and if Shane Ray pans out, that could be interesting. I think, you know, Denver didn't have as many needs as some of these other teams, and they went out and they went best player available. Yeah, I think the Shane Ray pick was definitely best. It was, this guy's a top 10 talent, and he's available here. Let's trade up. Right. That's the best trade pass rushing duo or trio in the league, if Ray's any good. Yeah. My mother-in-law sent me a text after the pick uh, saying how great it was that he was going to a marijuana-friendly state. My mother-in-law dropped. Well, that was yeah. there. There seemed to be some <laughs> mentions of that on Twitter. He uh, likes pot, so he well not going to get in trouble with the law, but just the long arm of the commissioner or Rog. whoever makes the policy in the NFL. Seems like a great pick. I wonder if there was no uh, weed bust or the whatever the citation, if he would have been a top fifteen pick. There I love also, that value. Yes, there were also I, concerns about his footy. I think he had surgery. There was, but there was also a thought he could go as high as. Five or six. Right. I mean, I think that was probably the most popular Jets uh, mock pick. People thought – I think it would have been a surprise if he got out of the top ten. So that's a great value for uh, John and Elway. In a win-now mode. I mean, they got to win. This one's for John. Uh, <laughs> and let's face it. Like, when you're talking about the Broncos, too, like this draft class, you they need instant contributors. No one has a smaller window right now than the Broncos. Mm. It's It's next year or bust. And they're probably kind of blown up the machine after 2015. So they need these guys to be instant contributors at the top of this draft if they're going to be, you know, for this era of the Broncos. Yeah, it's like one it's we- point Hansis. Mm. It's weird I mean, to think that anyone they're, anyone they're drafting now is essentially going to be brought in for the post-Peyton Manning era. Because mm. well, he ain't playing after this season. Well, their second-round pick might have been a pick for the future, not a guy to play right now. Uh, Ty which, Sam which is Rado. fine. Because Ryan fun. Clady right now is no longer Ryan Clady, and he might not be long for the roster. He's not a left tackle, though, is he? I uh, thought he was a right tackle slash guard. I think they're going to try to use him at both. I think it's fine to have project guys because you need to think about the next page, but I feel like you need this draft to have some guys that are going to come in right away. you got to yes. win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yes. I agree, and I think their roster is good enough to win it. I, people are giving up on the Broncos too fast. Mm. Well, it all depends on their quarterback. Is yeah. his arm still his yeah. arm? I don't know what else it would be. That's it. That was a success. That was fun. That's good. I mean, we ripped off a, a ESPN property, but I didn't know that though. Did we? 
Like, I don't know uh, who the, oh, like they have a Greg. Have that a, usually works. I didn't know that excuse. Well, that's hey, gonna, that'll get you. Done. Hey, newsflash! Uh, there were buzzers before ESPN existed. How I didn't. Did you, I didn't realize that I copy and pasted three graphs from the New York Times and stuck it into my story and then clicked publish. I didn't realize I didn't we know. were ripping off my fifth grade basketball game. I mean, buzzers. They, you know, they have a lot of uses. We you didn't put a face on a popsicle stick, at least. We brought mirth to it, and I think that's enough for the intellectual property to be protected. <laughs> if not, TD's involved in the lawsuit. So either way, it's kind of like a win-win. TD, true or false, you learned more in that 48 minutes than any Move the Sticks podcast. Uh, no comment. Oh, what the heck? Well, we've referenced Daniel Jeremiah well, a times. This. How often I'll, does he I'll reference us for I'll tell you this. Zero. The new Move the Six podcast coming out later today. <laughs> oh. Oh. Wait, he still does them? I thought he shut it down. I'll listen Farbjord. to that and I'll let you know. Okay. Maybe you guys listen to it too. Okay. I listen to it. Yeah. Got to clean out my sock drawer. I saw a new, uh, <laughs> you guys uh, bought a new ball and chain for Billick, I heard, for the upcoming season. <laughs> Time in the studio. <laughs> Uh, all right, got to do. That's it for Tuesday's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Like I said earlier, uh, Thursday we'll do the NFC, all 16 teams. And they have some proper coverage for you. This oh, is real quick, sorry. Yes. Real shout out to another Zach, Zach Adacious, the last uh, Zach Dresser's yeah. birthday today. Uh, he's happy, happy birthday, birthday. Drizzle. Happy birthday. Uh, Stan Hans is signing off for the mailman. Quiet storm, Jesus. The boss. MCD, <laughs> <laughs> find the class. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.